0: I hate you as long as much as I would have loved you. hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Behind the Sounds. As always I'm Leah and I'm here today with singer, songwriter and most importantly though, my birthday twin, <laughs> Jamie Floyd. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing so well thank you for having me birthday twin I love it <laughs> yeah and we we're just saying you've been super busy these past few weeks um I know things have luckily for you guys opened up and you've been doing gigs and things how has it all been are you getting a bit of sense of normality back yes yeah, I've been
1: very lucky to um, be a part of something called a concert for Love and Acceptance and the launch of it and everything these last few weeks. My dear friend Ty Herndon and CMT put it on and um, I got to do a bunch of different tapings for it and be a part of the festivities and the watch parties and all those things. And it really feels like things are back to normal after that process. has been really nice.
0: Yeah, and you know, I wanted to talk to you about this amazing concert that they put on. So did you film it over over a couple of days? Because you were part of two performances, right?
1: Yeah, there, um, they're, everybody kind of filmed theirs um, remotely, but there was a night um, where we had a venue in Nashville where a lot of the performances took place, so I got to be there too. Um, we did film other performances that you didn't get to see that'll be released later on, I think, um, so it's kind of cool, but um, but yeah, the, the two that I did, we did in a recording studio and then did in a soundstage, and so um, got to be at a few different places, but they really, um, they pieced everything together for the show really beautifully and uh, it was cool and interesting that you got to see so many different sets and and treatments and things for people's performances.
0: Yeah and it was it was so cool to watch and I think you're right you know getting to see so many different visuals and performances and I wanted to ask because we had him on the show a few weeks ago the amazing Jake who you yeah. performed um, your duet, which we'll talk about, um, I Would Have Loved You, with him, the songwriter version. I just want to ask, because a duet that he released with Kelly Clarkson, how much pressure do you feel then singing that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, the pressure began back when we wrote the song and I sang the demo with Jake. And um, I've always um, just loved to sing and obviously love to write songs. I love to sing the songs that I write, um, but we made that demo so that Kelly could hear it. Right. And so I was mm-hmm. terrified to have her even hear my vocal, you know, on like a studio recording. We were proud of, you know, and um, because just, you know, she's one of the best singers in the world. And um, and so um, that was nerve wracking. But then when she recorded it and sent it, you know, and we got to hear it. I was just blown away. She really her artistry and her interpretation and her emotion in that song are um just mind-blowing and I think we all when we sing a song or hear a song we all connect to it in our own personal ways and so we really got to hear how her personal connection to that song what that sounds like obviously when she performs it and so when Jake and I got to do it I tried to block out my nerves and just go back to um, what happened in my life and where the song came from when we wrote it, and that's how I approached our performance. I was like, if I think about how Kelly Clarkson has sang the song, I will not be, <laughs> I will not be setting myself up for success. But, um, but I just kind of went back to to the heart of it and sang it from that place, and. That place is mine, just like Kelly's place is hers, and Jake, and and anyone who relates or sings the song, any song, um, you kind of hear your own life story in it, or you hear yourself as the main character, right? And so that's kind of where I where I came from. But Kelly's, I mean, that that it is one of the most incredible vocals I've ever heard. Period. Um, and also it happened to be a song that I wrote, so I'm really grateful for her, but it's Jake is an amazing singer as well. I mean, like freaking mm. amazing live and so on. And so it was also, you have to rise to the occasion to sing with Jake. Cause you're just like, man, he, you know, we're going to do this in one take and he's not going to mess <laughs> it up. So I better not mess it up. But, uh, a fun fact about that, um, the night for the concert for love and acceptance, the, what you saw Jake and I perform the footage, we had actually taped that at nine in the morning. No way. Yes. So Jake and I had to, sing like that at nine in the morning and I had to like be all ready, you know, so it was just like a really early day and shoot. And so um I'm so glad we pulled it off at nine in the morning.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, one, it didn't look like it was nine in the morning at all. So they did a really good job of that. And two, you definitely did it justice. I remember watching it and I've heard you sing before of course, but I remember watching, I was thinking, this is like a massive song. And then it just was so perfect. And as you know as obviously Jake is amazing, but you one hundred percent did it justice it was incredible um and i love I love nothing more than watching songwriters sing the sing sing the songs that they have you know had such successes so it was amazing to watch um and also you won the rising star award um that he at uh, ty awarded you with. what was that like being, being obviously a performer and then getting that as well. Well,
1: so Ty Herndon, you know, who, who his foundation, um, is spot is, um, benefits from the, uh, concert for love and acceptance, along with so many other charities, um, that really help people with their mental health. And, um outside of being a humanitarian and everything that he does for the community, he has been such a legend in country music. And so I grew up listening to his records, right? Mm -hmm. I like, he's one of my top, like three favorite male vocalists, like in country music. So, um, I just freaking out as a huge fan of his, do not tell him that I'm like (laughs) biggest fangirl. He doesn't need to know. Um, but, uh, but to have someone that you, grew up looking up to in music and the kind of vocalist that he is is it's not he he is not from here (laughs) to be able to sing like that just like kelly clark i mean when those people open their mouths live on stage it's like you can't believe it's happening Mm -hmm. ty is one of those singers and so to get that award from him was really full circle in my life and my career because it's like imagine somebody whose albums you had like growing up and they are acknowledging you as an artist was really intense for me and really special. I just I was I'm still a little bit in disbelief. So it was very, very special
0: to me. It's honestly and so well deserved. Um, And I I loved kind of watching over the the past week or so all these performances and things. It's been great to watch. Um, And so you say, you know, Ty was one of them artists growing up that you listened to who else were your kind of big influences would you kind of look back and think of?
1: Yeah, um, in country music, um, George Strait and Vince Gill were two um, I know pretty different artists. Them and Ty are are kind of uh, from all different you know, uh, angles of country music, but the three of them really influenced me. Um, the, the writing, you know, the songs that they sang and their voices, um, Trisha Yearwood was huge influence on me. Um, so was Bonnie Raitt and Mariah Carey. Um, and then my parents are musicians. So I, I was very heavily influenced by, uh, George Benson, who's a jazz artist and, um, singers like Al Jarreau and, um, James Taylor, you know, so pretty eclectic, but, but I always, uh, I really gravitated to country music and the songwriting and, um, the emotion, you know, behind, behind the performances. And so that's kind of, I came from a melting pot for sure.
0: Yeah. And when, when you'll see you listen to all that, do you have, obviously you are a great singer, but do you have in the back of your mind, you you want to grow up and you want to be a singer, or you want to grow up and you want to be a songwriter. Is there a time in your life you look back and you're like, "That's what I want to do"?
1: Yeah, uh, my parents are both musicians, and I always say that was their only job. <laughs> so that's what they did for a living. They had a band, you know. They taught music lessons. They did, they did uh, so many musical things um, as their job, but predominantly they're musicians, live musicians. And um, I I can't remember a time when I wasn't singing. So there really wasn't a decision to be made. I just did it. I naturally did it. I naturally gravitated toward it. And when I was, um, I guess like when I was around eight or nine, um, when Leon rhymes came out with blue Mm -hmm. um, dad bought that album for me. And he said, Hey, you know what? You know how you want to basically grow up to be a singer, which I did. He was like, well, you don't have to wait. You could do it now. And two years later, I got a record deal. A record deal. So, so that is, that was the turning point, you know, for me. Um, but I, I just, there was never any question. There was just always an answer. It was, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, us Tauruses, right? Born, born yeah. we know <laughs> we, we know what we want. And I knew what I wanted. I didn't even have to ask the question. I did not know, though, that I wanted to be a songwriter. That mm-hmm. came later on that came later on um, in my early 20s my late teens that I realized that that was kind of a gift and an ability that I had Um, it certainly wasn't developed all the way or good at all back then but I was like (laughs) I have some kind of inclination to to be this writer and um I had written in my childhood when I had my record deal you know they put me in writing rooms as labels do you know with all these writers and they they told us like wow she's a songwriter and we were like really you know my parents and I had no idea what that even was and um and so but as I moved to Nashville and and started to get in the melting pot here I realized that huh I think I want to do this um I think I have to do this you know um Mm -hmm. those are two different
0: dreams that that came at different times for me yeah and as as a obviously a young child being kind of thrown into that industry do you look back and think how crazy it must have been? Like, did it seem wild at the time? Because that is, it's young.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's was very young. Um, it felt very destined. Like I was nervous and I um, was educating myself very quickly as to what was going on, but it felt very destined like not entitled you know I was like had a lot of wonder I was like whoa but I never felt like oh my god I can't believe this is happening it felt like right this is probably yeah this is kind of what I thought would happen like you know but it wasn't at all normal it's like you know you're not old and you're you know uh, given a record deal or anything like and I was like I I kind of um it felt natural it felt like Mm -hmm. a natural organic thing um is the best way to put it and as um as I was offered the deal and started to record and they um, they were based out of New York city, you know the first record label and it was under the same guys who were running Epic Records. And so, you know, it was like, they would take me to these big dinners in New York where they'd order me every dessert on the menu and things that a child would be like, <gasps> you know and I was, I couldn't believe yeah. it. Um, but at the same time, it was very exciting that somebody believed in my voice the way that I did, you know? Cause back then you don't know enough to be scared. You don't know enough to be insecure. Just like I sing and I work really hard at it. I practice all the time and they like it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely had a pretty good head on my shoulders back then. But looking back, it is very wild that I got flown to New York as a child and auditioned that way and um, pulled in so early. I think it was definitely for a reason, you know that I'm realizing now, but back then it was pretty mind blowing, you know, that they would pay a child to write songs. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I was signing a contract, right? I was an employee. And uh that was weird, you know, to to be, you know, financially like, <laughs> you know, being being an employee at at 11 12 years old is really interesting. It's a mm-hmm. weird, it's a weird place
0: to be in. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's certainly crazy. I mean, obviously it's benefited in the long run, but it is, it is crazy. And I obviously as you say your parents musicians were they ever skeptical or did they kind of just ride the wave with you and were fully supportive
1: yeah they were always supportive but they knew how much heartbreak came along with this industry because they were two people you know my dad has an accounting degree and they never <laughs> used. like they're two mm-hmm. people who did what they wanted to do with their lives and with their um career you know they chose a career that is not um you know solid and and that is a roller coaster right financially and emotionally and so they knew that and they know they knew that choosing that what that could mean for me but they were always very supportive and never um you know, when I wanted to play gigs, they helped me, you know, all of those things. They never went, you're not doing this. You're going to medical school or anything like <laughs> that, um, but they would always encourage me, you know, they'd be like, "Wow, you're so, cause I was, I was like a type A kid, which was weird for a creative person, but I was always like 4.0 and like the best grades. And I was a studier and I was very analytical and I was good in other subjects, you know, in other areas. And they were like, hey, you know, you could go study to be a this or you could study to be that. You know, you don't have to do you can do anything. Right. And I was like, nope, I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, yeah, it was very supportive.
0: Amazing. And then how long kind of after that experience was it that you made the jump and you, you made the move to Nashville and kind of starting, I suppose, almost over in a sense with with songwriting and everything? How long? was the gap in between those two experiences?
1: So I started getting involved um, with them, you know, with the with the original childhood record deal, um, uh, around a, a 11 and 12 years old. And there's when the contract was happening, that those mm-hmm. take a long time, um, yeah. but I was still working with them in that time. So once we signed the contract, um, took a long time <laughs> to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, So I was really heavily working with that record deal, like 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. And then um, September 11th, 2001 happened. And that's what kind of stopped everything. Um, And they had offered me a pop record deal because I was trying to be in country music, but I was dealing Mm -hmm. with the New York side of um, the label. And they offered me a pop record deal and I turned it down because for, for reasons that I couldn't be, I couldn't pretend to be something I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't believe that I said that (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would turn that down, but I did. And, um, they worked with me for a little while longer trying to get me a record deal in Nashville and we couldn't, you know, the whole world was stopped and all kinds of, you know, upheaval was happening. And so I moved to Nashville, um, right when I was 17, turning 18, I just turned 18. I graduated a year earlier from high school and I moved to Nashville at that point so from 11 to 17 uh is when all that record deal stuff and everything happened um and and apart (laughs) within Mm -hmm. that time period so i had kind of lived a whole lifetime but you know a career i mean certain people's careers only span that long you know if you're lucky in pop music and things are you know move very fast and so Um, I moved to Nashville having already had what everyone else moved there to get, you know, Mm -hmm. I had a record deal. I'd had a publishing deal, all these things. And, um, so yeah, that was the the timeline. Um, and I did feel like I was starting completely over, um, you know, when I got here, uh, and it, it was in a way, but I had so much knowledge from what I had been through and I knew what I wanted, and I knew what I didn't want, and I had a really, I had a lot of experience recording, which was really great to have, like, I knew, um, I knew how to record my vocals, you know, I knew what I, that didn't feel foreign, you know, I had written with the best people in the industry, so um, getting to write with people more my age, and, and the, you know, the community that was coming up in Nashville, and really getting in, I, I certainly wasn't, Um, by any stretch a good songwriter but I had been around good songwriters so Mm -hmm. as I was learning from my peers and and everything I could take that
0: knowledge in and start to apply it and start to connect the dots so that was really valuable too. Yeah and how much obviously you say you know you knew how to record your vocals you didn't necessarily know how to write yet but you'd been around it. How much of, of that obviously as a child do you realize that you're picking up is it was it something that you even knew you were acknowledging?
1: I I knew that I was getting a really amazing experience. I knew that all my friends didn't get to do that. I knew that the studios I was in, I mean, we we're running into like famous people and you know, you could see all the gold records on the wall and and all the the usual things that any person who's not in our business would be like oh my gosh, like very affected by and very intimidated by. And I was, I was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because I knew I was surrounded by the people who were making the albums that I was listening to, right? Coming off of epic records like Jennifer Lopez and all these people, all these records that were like huge, like TRL and everything back in the day <laughs> from MTV. Like we're up the street from TRL and it's happening. And I'm with all the people who, mm-hmm. who that music. And so I knew that I was getting an inside look that was not, something everyone got to do. And I was very conscious. I was conscious enough to um really soak all of that in. And and they used to kind of make fun of me in a in a nice way that I was like, oh Jamie's 13 going on 35 because I would read all the trade magazines and I'd be like looking at Billboard and like memorizing this producers doing this and and knowing all the songwriters and knowing what mergers were happening where and like <laughs> I was very because I knew the people all of a sudden. Mm. Like I could ask the vice president of Epic Records about the Warner merger and he'd be like, <laughs> What? I mean, yes, it's happening. How did you know that? That's not even public yet, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and so it was uh it was something that uh it was it was an education that you can't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful that I mean I use the same lawyer, you know, from when I was 11 years old, you know, up until very recently. He's getting ready to retire, you know, and I had this, you know, I was able to to understand copyright law and my publishing deals and these contracts. That where would you ever talk about a 16 page contract for the 12 mm-hmm. ever, right? Yeah. There I was, and so now today, you know, when I'm looking at deals and contracts and things, I've been looking at them for 25 years, you know,
0: yeah. like.
1: it's really helpful
0: (laughs) it's really helpful and it's things like that that you don't even think about you know when someone says I'm gonna move and I'm gonna try and be a singer you never ever think about the admin or the paperwork and so to have that must be something that you're as you said very grateful for um so skipping obviously forward uh, a few years what was your first kind of this the second part of your your journey what then was your first Cut because you had some songs on on TV shows and a couple of little things. So what was your first kind of official cut? Yeah,
1: my first major official cut ever as a professional songwriter was with Ronnie Dunn, who is the lead singer from Brooks and Dunn. Um, They had had a very public breakup where the band broke up and Ronnie Dunn was making his debut solo album. And so I had um, one of the songs on the album uh, what they call an outside song, which means Ronnie Dunn did not write it. And he didn't put many of the songs. I think he put two on that album that he did not write, you know, of like 14 songs. And so um, I think we wrote it when I was 22 or 23, but it got cut um, a couple years later. So like when it came out, I was 24, I believe. And um, I wrote it with one of my best friends, Pete Salas and another writer named Philip Guru And um, yeah that was my first big one and his album debuted at number one on the country charts and all this stuff I mean it felt like it felt unbelievable could not believe it was happening and um it was so exciting and um yeah that was the first big one and Ronnie Dunn is another like legendary singer in country music I was like where do we go from here no one puts <laughs> <it out." laughs> you have a singer like that you know yeah. it's like it just it just about ruins you because you're like oh my gosh like they're in the Hall of Fame, you know. I mean, there's that's like classic, you know, like legendary vocal vocalist, and so that was really exciting to come out of the gate with such an amazing singer and a song. I was really proud of.
0: Yeah, no, starting from the bottom there, <laughs> you really did start at the top. But at this point, were you like starting to figure out that maybe having a career as a songwriter, or were you still focusing on kind of putting out your own music at the same time?
1: I my number one dream was always to be a singer to perform right i just i love um i love singing i, I love performing music you know uh and i then i became i i, or I fell in love with performing my own music right because i grew up singing covers and um i i uh i guess i always thought that my songwriting was going to open the doors for my artist career and so didn't really bother me that I was being noticed and, and um, having success in my songwriting career where I wasn't getting the record deal, you know, for my voice and everything on the other side of it. But I just kept believing like, man, if I just write a song that's good enough, they might let me sing it, you know? And then as, you know, things evolved in the music business where you didn't have to get anybody's uh permission to release music <laughs> you know there, there was a time when you did and now you don't mm-hmm. so when when that was apparent to me um I started making my own you know music and releasing it but I've oh, and to this day if I'm being honest I I still believe and I still am experiencing that that my songs are opening the door for my artist career still to this day so
0: mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> Yeah, and talking of so outside songs that are going to benefit you, um, I, I'm so excited to talk about The, the Blade, which, uh, Ashley Monroe. it was her title track to her 2015 album, uh, Grammy-nominated album, and as we were just saying, so you recorded that on your EP as well, and um, can you tell me a little bit about that song because it is it's actually known as one of the the biggest country songs that will just break your heart and make you cry which is for for me is what country is about and um, and ashley obviously that voice is is something else and of course your version too so can you give us a little bit of background on that song
1: yeah that song was really a gift um i had decided to become my own publisher after being years years and years in Nashville of going with different publishers and you know uh, trying different scenarios in 2013 I decided to become my own publisher and really see what would happen you know if I just got behind myself and I I just focused in and, and did it myself kind of you know um, and so I was working full-time in a restaurant to pay myself to write songs full time and I wasn't gonna wait around for anybody to give me the money or anything <laughs> else to myself and uh, and I just really just took a leap of faith and a risk on, on myself and, and um, for myself. And co- like a couple months after I got out of that deal, I had a co-write with um, Mark Beeson and Alan Shamblin. And we had about four, it took about four co-writes to write this song. Um, it also didn't help that I had to run off to go to work every day, so I couldn't like lounge around like like you can sometimes and like let the song come to you over a longer period of time. I had to like do it and go to work. Um, but um, but Alan Shamblin, who wrote actually my favorite song, which is so full circle, um, he wrote "I Can't Make You Love Me," and um, Alan had this idea that he had heard in the sermon um, where the preacher said sometimes you in life you catch it by the handle and sometimes you catch it by the blade, and Alan brought in that idea and uh we really had a hard time at first figuring it out and trying to write the song and um we didn't quite get it at first and then we decided to change it over to to a perspective about love and about heartbreak and as soon as we figured it out um from that perspective it really happened fast the rest of the song wrote itself very fast and um I didn't even know cause I had recorded. So I, I recorded the song for my EP. I was recording my EP. Mm-hmm. Nobody had cut the song, not Ashley, not anybody. And I was going to release it. And so I had recorded it and worked on it done the vocals and everything. So what you hear is, is the first recording of it on my EP. And um, then as I'm like getting ready for my album and everything, I get a call that, Hey, Ashley Monroe has recorded the blade and she's making it the title track of her album. And it's the only song she did not write for the whole record. Cause she's, yeah. a songwriter, right? and I was like, what, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and, and then they told us when we went to get to listen to the song, cause they, a lot of times the producers will bring you in for the song comes out and let you hear it. Mm-hmm. We got to go to a studio, me and my co-writers and listen to our song. And then right before they played it to us, they said, oh, and Miranda Lambert is singing it as a duet with her. <laughs> and we were like what you know and so Vince Gill played guitar on it and he produced it and and uh so it was just like a dream come true it was also interesting the timing of it because I was putting out my album so we waited obviously for Ashley to put it out and then we put it out you know just a little you know late uh not the schedule we originally Mm -hmm. intended but we just put it out after but it, it ended up being even better because of the Grammy nominations and all that stuff so it was um it was not how I planned it to be because, uh, that song is so personal for me and it is my story. It was like, so, so personal for me. Um, and so when Ashley recorded, obviously it was personal to her too. You know, she obviously connected with it. Um, and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is this feels so personal. But at the same time, I was like, okay, well, this is happening for a reason, you know? And, and she's recording it and all that amazing stuff happens. So it's kind of like everybody wins. And then like years later, like only a few years ago, because of the Blade, Shania Twain invited me on this television show she did, you know? And so it's really continues to open doors. And I really believe like, I've had many different producers and people in the pop world, and in all different worlds, want to cut it again, and so mm-hmm. it just might come out again. You never know. You never know. I don't. I don't think. I think the story with the blade is is ongoing,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: the way it came into the world was a really beautiful process. I it was it was pretty amazing to see to watch that all happen.
0: Yeah, and do you know I have such a, a memory of, of when she released that record, her doing an interview about the title track and being like, "Oh, I don't release songs that I don't write, but I loved this song so much." Is there anything, obviously, it being such a personal thing, is there any part of you that doesn't want someone else to release it?
1: No, um, I like as a songwriter, it's I actually learned this. My husband always reminds me of this. My husband's also a songwriter and an artist, and he just is really good about having an abundance mindset. So let everybody have whatever song because you're gonna write another one. You're gonna Mm -hmm. write another one. You're gonna write a better one. You're gonna write this, you're gonna write that. And so if you hold on tight to everything, like no one can have this, well then you never know what you're stopping, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah. So for instance, if I'm making an album and I have put my heart and soul into a song, you know, and I find out somebody else is releasing it and running out with it, is that the best feeling? No, but you have to take a step back and go, wait a minute. This is happening for a reason. What is the reason? You know? And um, I've seen it happen to friends of mine, you know, who are artists where another big artist comes in and wants to record the song. I've seen this happen, you know, it happens in our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think anybody, it's never a bad thing, you know, to have more than one person want to sing your song. Like yeah. that is not bad. You <laughs> have <laughs> to remind yourself of that. And in the moment it's hard because you're so attached to it. But at the same time, I've never been upset, I've been confused. Like, why is this happening? Oh my gosh, you know. Um, but I've never been um bitter about it or anything. It's just like, okay, this is happening for some reason, and let's see, let's find
0: out why, you know. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it paid off. So you then released your EP with with it on. And as as she said, you you were on uh, real country, which was kind of uh a competition show, but it was more of a showcase. Um people who are, you know like yourselves had, had had kind of some hits and that what was what was that experience like I mean someone like Shania Twain being like hey I know who you are <laughs> do you want to come on my tv show what was that moment like?
1: That was very um, peculiar. That that time in my life, um, I had so many amazing things happening at once and it felt like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm getting this traction that I've worked so hard for um, as an independent, right? And I had just been offered the opportunity to write all the music for a Broadway show in development, like all these things were coming at me. And then it's like, hey, the producers, including the executive producer who is Shania Twain of this new television show, are inviting you to be on this show, will you come sing for them?" I was just like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And they want you to sing The Blade, which was like so amazing because it's like, oh my gosh, you are inviting me to tell my personal story, you know, on a show where nobody else got to sing their original music. You know, Mm -hmm. I got to do mine because of the loophole that it was a cover because it was released by a major country artist. But I had also written it, and so that's how we got away with it, you know, and um, it was really, it was surreal, because I didn't get to meet Shania or Jake Owen or Travis Tripp before I sang, so it was literally walk out in front of, you know, an entire stadium of people, the set, the, you know, judges, all the cameras, taping live, you know, was taped live for television, Mm -hmm. and, um, and sing meet and then sing for Shania Twain, like within the same five minutes. It was like, cool, no problem. And make my national television debut. Probably the most nervous I've ever been. And you can see that in my performance. Not like, I, I was nervous. I, I feel like I pulled it off as best I could, um, but I was, I mean, I was so nervous. How could you not be, right? And I was like, you know what? I'm only human. I'm just going to go out here and I'm going to do my best. Who else? I mean, this is a circumstance that you just can't imagine unless you're in it. <laughs> so um, I was really grateful for it, but I was also terrified. <laughs> I honestly,
0: especially yeah. if you don't
1: get to meet them beforehand. Oh. I was like, it's Shania Twain talking to me, and now I have to sing. (laughs) I was like,
0: okay. (laughs) Yeah, and they had some amazing, like, guest judges as well. Um, So was there anyone else that kind of, I mean, obviously, Jay Cohen and Travis Tripp are amazing, but like, Shania, it's Shania. Um, Was there anyone else that came on that you were just completely starstruck by?
1: Yeah, um, Sarah Evans was the guest judge from my um, episode where I won and got to go to the finale. And um, I had, as a child, gone to sh- So I had met her because I had, like, opened a show for her long time ago. Wow. Like, i in Florida. And when I met her, she said to me, like, outside of her tour bus, I have the picture. And I met her, and she said, oh, what's your name? You know, of course, to sign my thing. And I said oh, Jamie Floyd, and she goes... Floyd, that's my mother's maiden name. So, like, we always wondered, are we related? And then when I got to see her again, of course, I was like, had braces and was like a teenager when I met her. And so I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but we have the same. Our moms have the same maiden name. You know, <laughs> <laughs> our, you know, we. And she was like, Oh my god, you know. And so she didn't realize when she was judging us. Yeah. And then after I got to talk to her, and she, I was like, This is so full circle. This is crazy. And so yeah, so she was there too, it was pretty, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and it, one experience, and i kind of preparing you, I suppose, for all that, that has come, and will come, being on live TV, did you, did you feel, or notice, that it changed things for you, did it propel things, were you getting more opportunities?
1: Yeah, I, well, I was, um, for the first time in my life, I got a, a booking agent because of that show, which also changes things when you get to tour, and, um, I got to play stagecoach which is this big festival you know country music festival right it's huge in california and i remember going to get my credentials you know there's like a whole area for artists and it's protected and stuff i would never been to this festival you know or anything i'm like playing it for the first time and my agent and i are going in like these secret hallways and everything they have you go and get all your credentials and there was somebody coming down the hall who lost their mind we were like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" As they were coming down, and we're like, "What are they freaking out about?" And they had seen me on the show, and wow. they were like, "Oh my god, we can't believe it's you! Oh my god, we're so sorry, we're not stalkers! Oh my god, you know." And that started to happen at Stagecoach, and we were like, "Whoa!" So TV, TV definitely reaches people. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, "Whoa!" You know, it it was definitely an exposure that. M- me as an artist I had never had you know my songs have gone all over the world I've been in the opera and all these things but I had never you know um been attached to them you know face to the song right and so people were reacting like that um at shows and people um would say oh my gosh I found you because of real country or I follow you because of real country and um that's that's very the reach is is really um noticeable once you get out there and you start touring and people know you from from the show it's pretty pretty amazing <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and I mean the opportunities haven't stopped so you had not you've had another EP since then which was New Girl which so it came out end of 2019 am I right so did you is it kind of did you have plans to tour it through last year how did kind of the the C word affect that EP <laughs> Yeah. I mean, of course.
1: Yes. So we had, I mean, I had like 80 plus dates lined up just the initial tour for it and, um, the band, everything all ready to go, you know, and it was, I'm so proud of that record because it was for so many reasons. Um, it was a little miracle that the whole thing happened the way it did. And, um, it really showcased my voice and all these things, you know, that, that I feel like, Oh my gosh, I got this right. You know? And, um, I got to tour i was touring heavily from november of 2019 when it came out through march so mm-hmm. november through march i went real hard on it and so that was nice because it had all the momentum and oh my gosh you know um and then of course everything was cut off in the middle of march but i'm i'm really grateful for the shows i did get to play at the very beginning because it it showed me you know it, it gave me a, a fe- the feeling you know that you want to have when you get to have new music and you're playing it for everybody um but again, that's something that was for a reason. Right. And, Mm -hmm, um, and I look at it like, I'm going to make more albums. You know, I'm so glad that one exists. I'm so glad I got to make it. And, and, um, I'm so glad it, it exists. Right. But, um, I know that, and I, or I believe, you know, that I'm going to have the chance to make, I am making, you know, a new record now and that I'm going to get to tour on it, you know, and that, um, I still get to play all the new girl songs live when I want to, and they'll mm-hmm. all be new to everybody. Cause everyone's <laughs> like, oh yeah, that record came out and just got squashed right before, <laughs> before everything. So yeah, there's a way for it to live on. It just, uh, it's hard, you know, when you work yeah. so hard on something.
0: I can imagine, but we, we will hear it it will happen, that's what we have to keep saying. Um, And talking of releasing songs and albums like during a pandemic, you also had a cut on one of literally the biggest country albums of the last year, which was Ingrid Andress, who has just kind of blown everything out of the water this past year, but she released her record, Lady Like, I think literally- In March. Last week, yeah, it was March, wasn't it? Um, and Anything But Love that was on there. Did you, I mean, I know she had a lot of kind of people were excited, but did you ever expect that record and that song to be as big as it is? Well, funny story about that
1: is that I did not even know she cut our song for the album. Wow. I did not know. And I was at, um, so I wrote that song with her in 2015.
0: No way. Five years.
1: Wow. And we had written it in 2015. Um she was not like trying to be an artist or anything like we were just all you know just writing we we're a little you know just writers like and and her publisher um set me up in a write with her and Zach. And it was our first co-write ever. Um, our co-writer, Zach Abend wrote that with us. And we just, you know, wrote the song. We just wrote a song and, um, you know, she sang the demo vocal. It was beautiful and incredible. And then our publishers went off or they they had publishers and I was um, independent and everybody went off to pitch it to other artists, right? And then a few years down the road, she starts, you know, obviously doing her own thing and, um, I found out I was at a little cafe having a business meeting and, um, this, uh, one of the head of a um, at Warner Brothers, her label a guy named Rohan comes walking over and he goes, Jamie, oh my God, I love your song so much on Ingrid's record. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, huh? And I'm like having a business meeting. We're all like, what? Um, because we knew, you know, she was making that record and he goes like, oh gosh, I can't wait for you to hear it. It's like, oh, I love it so much. And I was like, really? So that was like, that was like the very, it was, it had to have been either in January, you know, before the mm-hmm. March came out, or like sometime in the, it would have to have been winter of 2019 or, or, uh, you know, early 2020. Yeah. And so I found out, I did not know it was even coming out, you know, wow. I had no idea. And, uh, and I find out, right. And it was so exciting to, you know, find out who produced it and all the things. And, um, And then I, uh, then it came out, you know, I'm I'm so glad they still released it even though everything was happening, you know. And um, back in October, I got to sing it with her at the Bluebird when she kind of did a virtual album release or double deluxe album release. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that one was a total surprise. And that just goes to show you that, you know you could write a song 10 years ago and it comes back and ends up on a Grammy nominated album. Right? Mm -hmm. it it was big
0: surprise that song (laughs) but what a good one (laughs) yes a good surprise a big good surprise (laughs) yeah it's it's one of my favorite tracks on the album I mean obviously you can't fault that record um but it's such a good one and as I'm with you I'm so glad they released it um I think actually it was a really good time to do it and I can't wait obviously to to hear her sing it live and everyone um and then of course we've spoken a little bit about it but Before I let you go, let's talk about Jake, because he was on the show a few weeks ago and spoke so highly of you and his fellow songwriters. How amazing was that experience recording and and writing with him? And again, kind of in the midst of a pandemic, how was that?
1: Well, um, our mutual friend Dean Sams, who's from the band Lone Star, um, called me up uh, in... January of 2020 and said hey do you have time to come and co-write with me and um the guy who just won the voice Jay Hoot. and I was on tour because remember I told you I toured mm-hmm. very heavily through then so I wasn't watching tv I wasn't I was like on the road and Um, so I wasn't like privy to everything that was happening for Jake in real time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure. You know, so I say, yes, I was home for just a little while, um, in the beginning of January, you know, right around Christmas that, that time. So on January 10th, 2020, I walk in to Dean's studio and Jake's there and I meet Jake and, um, and we sit down and we're like, okay, you know, let's write a song. And we were kind of like, wouldn't it be cool, you know, if we wrote a song that you could sing with Kelly Clarkson, like, that would be the dream, right? He just got to sing with her on the show. Mm -hmm. And so that we, we, that was our goal to do that. And we were throwing out ideas and I was just like, well, I have this like really sad idea. Um, (laughs) but I, you know, but I have this idea and I, I threw it out and they were like, yeah, let's do it. Cause a lot of people won't always jump on board for a song like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, And we did, and we wrote it in that one day and probably about three hours or so. And then Jake and I, you know, Dean started playing piano and we did the the demo for it. And Jake's vocal was amazing. And he just such a good singer. And, um, you know, I kind of got to know him and got a vibe for him that first day. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's so nice. He's so down to earth. Like for somebody who's getting the whole world, you know, paying attention. so down to earth and and open-hearted and honest you know and just genuine right and um as time went on you know we he sent it to Kelly and you know we didn't hear back. we didn't expect we you know who expects we were just (laughs) like well we tried you know and and um and then when I got the call and About a year ago I guess it's been a year yeah July August he was like hey guys Kelly just asked me to send it to her again you know we were like huh (laughs) you know and then it was like hey guys Kelly wants to record this with me she's putting her vocal on we're making a music video it's going on my album and I was just like so like imagine me having that information last August I (laughs) I was like Oh, like I knew, you know, I'm like, we have a Kelly Clarkson, Jake Coot song coming out and I can't tell it <laughs> <laughs> And it's just been so magical. Cause I was like, you know, 2020 was difficult for everybody. And mm-hmm. to know that we were going to kick off 2021 with Kelly, you know, with Kelly Clarkson singing our song with Jake was like, okay, things are turning around. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> so that was really, and you know what? The most beautiful thing about well, first of all, Jake is the most. I'm I've been around a lot of people, right? Been around a lot of um, just big people in music, whether they be a producer or a singer or whatever. And Jake, I I mean, there, Jake by far is the most genuine, the the prime example of what you wish an artist would would treat you like you know because um you know there's a hierarchy you know and um songwriters are not always at the top of that hierarchy and jake treats you as though you are he treats you equally and unfortunately that's not always the case in the music business there's a lot of egos there's a lot a lot of stuff going on but um and we all have them that's why we're in the business Mm -hmm. and and nobody is perfect however jake is probably comes the closest Mm -hmm. and and uh, that song was so personal for everybody for different reasons. And um, it was just so exciting to have because I feel like if New Girl had a sequel, uh, I Would Have Loved You would have been right up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I thought I should record it ever. I, I didn't feel like that. But in terms of like um, subject matter and yeah. just follow up, like that would have been it. And there it was as the follow up. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and um, and to have two of the greatest singers on it was, was like mind-blowing. I'm just, I feel very lucky, very, very excited yeah.
0: that they did it. So. it is, I mean, I've said it to Jake, I'll say it again. You cannot fault the vocals. Like, it is oh. holy moly.
1: I wish, like, I'll have to share with you the the demo. Because yes. because um I'm so proud of it. And Jake, like, flawless. But there's so much that Kelly just brought to it and her performance and her approach to it that is like true artistry that is just rare and beautiful and the reason she is where she is and um it was mind-blowing it was absolutely mind-blowing their recording of it so I'm I uh I will always remember that in, in my life as like one of the the high points so
0: and what a high point is. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna let you go in a minute but first there's a couple of quick fire questions I want okay. to ask you which I ask everyone they're all around threes. They are okay. quick fire but you don't have to be quick because everyone always struggles. Oh,
1: gosh. I know I'm stressed out about this already. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> I already think I know the answer to one of these okay but my first question for you is uh can you can you name three songs that you wish you'd have written?
1: Yes. Um I would say I can't make you love me, um, which I already mentioned. Ooh, um I would say um um probably um um George Strait's song um called Nobody in His Right Mind Would have Left Her yeah and um there's a gosh this is so hard um there's a song that laurie mckenna wrote and i don't know if anybody's cut it yet i think I think people have but like it's not been a huge hit yet mm-hmm. it's
0: called sometimes
1: he does and I could name off a million songs, but just right this second, that's what I would... Yeah,
0: no, that's what I like. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to... It's going to get harder. I'm sorry.
1: Hold on. Okay. Three
0: albums you couldn't live without.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say George Benson Breezen. I know it's very, very random, but, uh, for a country music writer, um, George Benson, reason, And I, I can't even, oh, I can't decide. I would, i pick my Georges. I would pick George Benson. Mm-hmm. I would pick George Strait. I can't choose. I, I honestly can't choose. Just say two. the greatest hit song. Yeah. The greatest <laughs> hits. And then, um, I would say, um, probably Trisha Yearwood, um, it's hard one too but i would say trisha yearwood's um i would say inside out mm. yeah i'll just go with that i can't choose either mm, out of birds,
0: yeah i don't and then <laughs> well, that's right there's only one more <laughs> um three kind of artists or producers songwriters that, that you haven't yet worked with that are kind of bucket list for you okay so again trisha yearwood <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've come close. I've come close. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, Trisha Yearwood, I would say, um, I would love to, um, actually I'd love to write with Kelly Clarkson, Mm -hmm. kind of just, you know, getting a feel for her, obviously through all mutual friends and everything. And then, um, I would say I would like to also collaborate with, um, I would love to collaborate with, um, another on a writing level probably pink oh yeah so fearless and I feel like I could get in there and not be afraid of anything we would say and she'd be like yeah yeah <laughs> I'm not scared to say that oh I'd be like,
0: my <laughs> goodness yeah no one's ever said her but what yeah what an answer that would be epic yeah that's right we'll put it out there we'll put it out to the universe okay. we'll tag her <laughs> yeah. um but I'm gonna leave you yeah, I'm going to leave you um, to sing us out, but I have to just say thank you so, so very much for being a part of the show and telling the stories. And I look forward to hearing more of your music and more of your co-writes. Um, I'm really looking forward to what's to come.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. Thank you for asking all those thought-provoking questions. And, <laughs> uh, and so I guess um, I will... I was gonna play I would have loved you do you do you have a preference do you, you
0: I mean I just want to hear your voice
1: oh <laughs> uh, well I'm gonna do a kind of a a more subdued version of I would have loved you that I haven't done really at all so I was like I'm just gonna try this today um yeah so it says I would have loved you pretend I'm Jay Coot for half the time and Kelly Clarkson for the other half <laughs> Gave me
2: every reason to feel like this. Now there's nothing you can do to change it. You know me better than anyone else, and how far I'm willing to take it. I never meant it more than I do now. There's only one way I can say it: more than forever, always meant deepest unforgettable with all that I am with my heart wide open for the rest of my life I promise you that I'm gonna hate you as long and as much as I would have loved you and I would not loved you you gave one night to some nobody after I gave you all of me and you should have known when it comes to me nothing's ever temporary I never meant it more than I do now this feeling is gonna make it more than forever always madly the deepest unforgettable rest of my life I promise you I'm gonna hate you as long and as much as I would've loved you and I would've loved you I would've been always there for you cared for you I swear it's true more than forever madly the deepest unforgettable with all that I am with my heart wide open for the rest of my life I promise you that I'm gonna hate you as long as much Mm -hmm. I'm gonna hate you as long as much as I I wouldn't love you. Wouldn't love you. Wouldn't.